Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Ladies and gentlemen, right out of the limousine, up the red carpet, along with his entourage, here's Dr. History. How about an old beat-up pickup? I thought that. Yeah, okay. So, Zeb, I've added two things to my bucket list. Uh Uh-oh. I've got an aunt and uncle here from Kentucky, Ron and Ann. They're here now? Yeah, yeah, they're at our house. And they're listening? Yeah. They better be. They And uh, they were talking to me about the Kentucky Derby. Oh, really? I would love to go back and watch the Kentucky Derby. Oh, you someday. know something? I've had an opportunity, and then I had to pass it by. Yeah. yeah they, but, you know, your wife would have to have a big floppy hat. <laughs> well, we can do that. Yeah. Now, another thing on my list, Jill from Reno has invited me down. To go to Virginia City, the Donner uh, Pass, the uh, a bunch of historical stuff down there that she w- said, "Come on down, and we'll." Her and her husband would take. We take, need to do that. I say we. I'm including myself because yeah. I'd love to do that myself. Anyway, I so I would love to go down there and go through all that stuff that I've talked about. Absolutely, we'll never, do it. Do never it. Been there. It's all on right. your bucket list. Uh, it is. It's there. Is it's it in the bucket? Ex- is it an expensive bucket or a I don't cheap know. little plastic bucket? <laughs> we'll have to see. Oh. <laughs> so today. Okay. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the soldiers, life of a soldier in the Old West. Oh, boy. Now, I've read a lot about these guys, and it makes me wonder why they would even volunteer in the first place. But Were a lot, enjoy- of, them, were a lot of them hard cases in society that well, needed a way out? I, I don't know. I think there truly were some that thought they were, you know, maybe this was a good thing to do, and... I, I don't know. Kind of like the Ken Turner type personality. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the rules and the punishments that took place among the soldiers. Oh, All right? punishments. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, you know, the rules for the Army personnel were clear. They were strictly enforced. Uh, soldiers were expected to be on time with everything, attentive, diligent, obedient to their superiors at all times. So discipline was very, very important, and punishments were harsh. And I'm going to talk about those. But even minor infractions of the rules could result in sometimes a pretty severe penalty. And because soldiers had to respond to orders instantly and without hesitation during campaigns and in combat, discipline was critical. And and I can understand that. You know, if... uh, if you hesitate when you're ordered to do something, sometimes that's not good. So, yeah, well, I know I can speak to that because when Deanne says something, I, you are on boy, the if she says frog, I jump. Yeah. So, you know, estimates place the incident of enlisted men undergoing punishment at any one time at about 10%. Okay. Mm. Now, some infractions were more serious than others, obviously. Uh, examples of lesser violations included uh, being drunk, uh, brawling, you know, getting in fights, gambling, uh, making noise after taps, 
and I didn't realize that was a bad thing. But after they play taps, you better you got to be quiet. You got to shut up. Yeah, uh, theft, uh, brief unauth- unauthorized absence. In other words, you kind of away without leave. Yeah, tardiness. Uh, soldier might be penalized merely for being dirty. And I, when I read that, I thought, uh, okay, you're out in the middle of nowhere. How do you stay really clean? Sandbag. Yeah. So anyway, in these cases, uh, the offender was generally punished by the company commander or the commanding officer of the post. I got a dumb question. Okay. How did they tell time? Uh, they had watches back then. I, I know they did, but not necessarily all the men on the frontier. Right. I don't know. I, You're supposed to I'm supposed have to all this all. stuff at I the know. tip of your fingers. I, I don't know that. Okay. So now technically charges could be filed in these instances for a court-martial, but to avoid delays and the red tape and all that stuff, the Army preferred that the officers deal out the punishments for any of the misconduct at their own discretion. Now that was a pretty wide, wide-open discretion. Boy, if somebody didn't like somebody. Yeah. Now the more serious violations and uh, crime bad behavior by a guy, uh, like repeated cases of insubordination, which I, I think that's, you know, like talking back to the officers and stuff, uh, unauthorized abstinence, absences or drunkenness, uh, this might actually warrant a court-martial. Really? Uh, the most serious crimes, such as murder, rape, treason, now these obviously were subject to court-martial proceedings and could be punished by death. Yes. So other potentially capital offenses, including striking a superior officer, and the one that we've seen before is being caught asleep on guard duty. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. I think back, even back when uh, General Washington and they were in the cold, that, you know, I mean, and they're supposed to be staying awake during when it's cold yeah. and miserable. And anyway, now the customary punishments for minor infractions included uh, extra duty or restriction to court. Uh, unpleasant fatigue details and what does that mean i would say that's digging holes for other people to use would oh. be a, a possible uh, fatigue well you kind uh, of explained it without explaining okay it. thank you and various physical punishments uh even some of the cruder punishments such as forcing a unruly soldier to carry a heavy log or a cannonball around the post and this was condoned by the Army, so he might have to carry this log or this uh, cannonball around all day long for doing something. I'll bet you at the next game he didn't drop that cannonball. <laughs> no, he didn't. But, you know, more conventionally, uh, the rule breakers could be sent to the guardhouse or they could be fined by the commanding officer. Do you remember the old John Wayne movies like Fort Apache and that? Yeah. Remember that sergeant that was always drunk and thrown in the brig? Uh, the big sergeant? Oh, he yeah. Was, he was one of the stars of the movie, really. Well, yeah, they, the guardhouse was a typical punishment. But, you know, some misconduct that was supposed to be dealt with officially was punished, quote, off the record by the other men in the company. Ooh. Now, an example of this is if you were stealing from another soldier in the barracks and the men regarded this as a pretty serious crime. Yeah. You didn't steal from your fellow soldiers. No. But these thieves uh, usually received a pretty severe beating from their fellow soldiers, and the sergeant, 
conveniently just kind of looked the other looked way. Looked the other way. It happened and, out, beside, out behind the building. Yeah, and yeah. this proved to be a pretty effective way to deter theft. I Imagine mean, that. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to steal somebody's Ooh. stuff. Now, a more official punishment was confinement to the post guardhouse. Uh, sentences ranged from few days to even six months depending on the offense. Now, soldiers who failed to report for their duties could spend up to 30 days in the guardhouse. The men sometimes referred to the guardhouse as, quote, barracks 13. Mm-hmm. Another slang term for the guardhouse was, quote, the mill. The None, mill. Yeah, and the repeat offenders were called mill birds. So if they kept getting put in the guardhouse, they were called mill birds. How were they treated inside the mill? Well, I'm going to get to that. See, I'm already already inquiring minds want to know. So the guardhouse prisoners might be assigned, like I say, to unpleasant jobs around the post, like collecting garbage or cleaning the stables. Uh, Being drunk was sometimes punished by having the man dig a big hole and then bury his bottle of liquor in it. So that was punishment, you know. <laughs> now, there's a guy of the name of Corporal Emil Bodie, and he described the fate of one hard-drinking recruit. And he said, quote, when drunk and noisy, he would be locked up in the guardhouse under hard labor, taken out to work his headache off. He would usually, he would usually be convicted to a month in the guardhouse with a loss of $10 pay. Now, and sometimes, Zeb... The uh, loss of pay was harder on them than the physical. What did they get paid? Uh, Not more than like $15, $20 a month, maybe. A month. A month, yeah. Wow. Now, a stiff sentence might include solitary confinement for two weeks on a ration of bread and water. Uh, now, bread and water just by itself doesn't sound really good. See, now, there's the Nutrisystems diet we've been looking for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they they probably lost a little weight in there. Oh, my two goodness. Weeks. Now, the original solitary confinement sales, uh, cells of the guardhouse at Fort Laramie, now get this, Ed, they were two feet wide, five feet long, and five feet tall. Oh, I'd go nuts. So, so I mean, it's so small that... Oh, my uh, goodness. Two you, feet wide? Yeah, and you could not stand upright, and you couldn't lay down flat. How long were they in that well, circumstance? whatever. Two weeks, uh, three weeks, four weeks, whatever. Oh, my so, goodness. I'd come out of and, there completely bonkers. And then, again, being given bread and water, you know? Well, so how did they rest? <laughs> However they could, I guess. You know, I'll tell you big. what I'm going to do. Next week when you get here, I'll have a cardboard box built two feet Just for that. by five feet by... And we'll see if we can get in it. Well, I know you can. (laughs) Now, the other thing, they slept on the bare floor with only their filled blanket for bedding, so just a blanket. And this, you know, that had to be cold in some of the climates. But another punishment for serious crimes might be a period of hard labor strapped to a heavy iron ball and chain and sarcastically nicknamed Uncle Sam's Watch and Chain. So actually chained, you've heard the term uh, ball and chain. Well, that's... Where it came from. Yeah, but for somebody to be put in that circumstance of that cell that you mentioned, two feet by five feet by five feet. Yeah. I bad. do not imagine how anybody could live through that. Yeah. I mean, it'd drive you nuts, really. Well, I'd be bonkers in yeah. the first hour. Well, now, in, in addition to this, and sometimes instead of this, instead of jail time, some offenders actually just paid a fine. As I mentioned, for some soldiers, this might seem like the most painful punishment of all, just uh, having reduced pay. Now, a common penalty for a relatively minor offense was a month's pay. 
Now, fines were usually turned over to the company fund, which perhaps kind of made it a little easier because at least the uh, other soldiers would benefit from the loss. So I don't know if they pulled it together and had a party or whatever. But now most officers were pretty fair and humane in meeting out discipline, and the soldiers usually agreed that most punishments were deserved. But at isolated posts where higher-ranking officers might be hundreds of miles away, the post officers who were inclined toward bad stuff could often get away with some pretty pretty mean and cruel things. And I'm going to oh talk about that. Goodness. Too. But imposing harsh physical punishments, uh, although incidences of such abuses pretty much declined after the Civil War and pretty much died out by about 1890, but there was a lot of frontier soldiers at the time that had some pretty brutal treatment in the name of discipline. You know, I'm going to, like, remember Andy Devine? Yeah. Uh, Jingles. Yeah. And he played uh, a corporal in the United States Army in the old days, Western movies and everything. How are you going to put that guy in a two-foot-wide cell? Yeah. You're going to have to have at least two of them. (laughs) Now, a common punishment in the early and mid-1800s was flogging. Okay. Now, this was officially abolished in 1861. But the practice continued behind the scenes for many years. A penalty of 50 to 100 lashes was not unheard of. Even a law-breaking civilian might find himself at the business end of a whip. Uh, British explorer Henry Stanley, who worked as a journalist in the American West, witnessed one incident in 1867. He said a man accused of giving a bottle of whiskey to some soldiers was sentenced without trial to a hundred lashes. Whoa. Stanley described the scene in detail, and I'm just only going to tell you a little bit of this, because it's pretty gross. It's pretty gruesome. Uh, Here's what he said, quote, Before 16 strokes had been administered, blood was welling in streams down his legs. And again, uh, after the 50th stroke, and again, I'm not going to go into how bad this was. It was bad enough that the men that were watching put their hands over their ears and turned away. They couldn't stand to watch what was happening to this guy. Well, he couldn't. the person couldn't have made 100, could he? I, he died. I don't know. Now, you know, you've heard the term cats out of the bag. Yeah. Okay, well, the way that came about was uh, they had a cat of nine tails uh, that they used maybe not here but on ships and stuff. Oh, yeah. And they kept that cat of nine tails, which is a bloody mess, in a bag that was soaked with blood. So the term, the cat's out of the bag, that meant that the cat of nine tails was coming out and somebody was going to get punished. On that nine tails, didn't they have at the end of those leather thongs kind of like hooks tied to it? Yeah, or a little piece of bone or something. Oh, my goodness. But you know, pun- you sure have made my day for lunch. <laughs> you know, punishments in the front frontier on, uh, army could be both cruel and unusual. A prisoner might be tied up by the thumbs with his feet just touching the floor. Ooh. A punishment occasionally meted out at Fort McPherson, Nebraska, involved. Okay, get this: tying the offender's legs together and throwing him into the Platte River. As soon as he struggled his way back out of the water, he was thrown back in. And a similar technique was used at Fort Laramie, Wyoming, where the accused was uh, dunked in the nearby Laramie, Laramie River. And this was a, a, especially effective when the river was covered with ice. You broke yeah. through the ice and yeah, I'd see, <laughs> come I'd back say that would be effective. Get yeah. thrown back in. So. Yeah, but how would you get thrown in if it's covered with ice? Well, I think they broke the ice oh, just I enough see. so that he could I mean, get I can wet. see you bouncing along on the top of the... <laughs> yeah. Now, an even worse practice uh, was the what's called the spread eagle. 
Now, in this, the offender... I don't think I'm going to like this. You're not going to. The offender was stretched out on his back with his hands and feet tied to stakes in the ground. He was left to lie this way out in the sun, the rain, or the snow for hours. And a, a variation of the spread eagle was to tie the man to a wagon wheel. Similar, you know, stretched out like yeah. spread eagle. Yeah. Now, another very... Uh, Hopefully nobody got in and started the team up. Yeah. Another thing the uh, technique was called bucking and gagging okay now here the soldier was strapped to a chair with his wrist tied to his ankles okay wrist tied to his ankles okay okay and a rag a stick or a bar of soap was put into his mouth so oh. you know that was called the bucking and gagging for how long i don't know now another pretty highly uncomfortable. That's not going to make an ivory soap commercial no, on TV. <laughs> you know, another highly uncomfortable and potentially hazardous punishment was called quote on the chimes. Now, in which the prisoner had to balance himself for hours on the rim of an open barrel. Now, if the man lost his balance, he might fall off the barrel or he might fall in the barrel. But if he fell, his time was extended until he'd completed the punishment. And this typically went on for a half day or even a full day, standing on that barrel. I mean, keeping your balance. A guy like me would be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, me too. I, <laughs> I'd be, yeah, anyway. Now, some army punishments uh, focused more on disgrace than discomfort. Now, occasionally an offender was forced to walk around the post wearing a barrel suspended from straps over his shoulders. Now, this kind of... Public- I saw a guy like that at the University of Wisconsin when I went <laughs> yeah. there. So this kind of... It was a humili- humiliation, and uh, usually that was uh, given out to guys that had been drunk. I see. So... Yeah, he was too. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the soldiers convicted of the more serious crimes were usually given a dishonorable discharge from the Army, and even repeated minor offenses, such as guy that kept getting drunk all the time might get a man discharged to avoid the expense of continually keeping him in the guardhouse. So instead of just keep putting him, throwing him in, they just gave him a dishonorable discharge. Now, some of those guys that were dishonorably discharged uh, later tried to re-enlist under a false name. And that amazed me, too. Why would you want to re-enlist? But they, uh, the discharges generally followed a conviction in a court-martial proceeding, and there were also less formal ways of relieving a man of his duties. Uh, a repeat offender might actually be branded, have his head shaved, and be kicked off the post in Indian country. Branded? branded. With yeah. a hot iron? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Now, officially... Where did they brand him? uh, Actually, I'm going to get to that. I figured you would. (laughs) Okay. Now, officially, desertion. That was a capital crime in the Army. Yeah. But in practice, the execution of deserters was pretty much rare. It didn't happen all that often uh, to be executed. Now, deserters, if they were caught, were usually sentenced to a period of confinement before serving out the remainder of their enlistments. Now, in some cases, deserters were imprisoned for as long as two years at hard labor, followed by a dishonorable discharge, and before the practice was outlawed in 1872, soldiers caught trying to escape were some, this is the branding thing, sometimes branded or tattooed on the face or body. On with, the face? Or body with a large letter D. Okay? And then they were drummed off the post. And after tattooing was banned, the D was sometimes drawn on the guy's chest in indelible ink, which took a lot of washings to get rid of. But they actually branded and tattooed some of these guys. D. D for Uh, desertion. On the face. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, you know, it, it was a serious problem. Uh, between 1867 and 1890, an average of approximately one-third of enlisted men deserted. Now, in Custer's 7th Cavalry, 512 men deserted in one year. Wow. They're the ones that lived. They didn't like him. No. But after the pay rate for a private was reduced from $16 a month to $13 a month in 1871, the desertion rates just went crazy. You know, they're not going to go for a pay decrease and stay in there. Well, in the late 1880s and 1890s, the Army took steps to try to reduce desertion, and they started offering offering incentives as pay raises after three years of service, uh, re-enlistment bonuses, and the option of an early discharge. So there were some things that kind of came around uh, to improve the life of the soldier. Wow. Now, besides reducing the Army's manpower, deserters tended to create another serious problem for the Army. When those guys left, they didn't just leave everything behind. Loss of property, okay? Deserters often took Army property when they left, including horses, saddles, weapons, ammunition, food, and whatever tools and equipment they could haul as they took off. So in 1875, the Army estimated that about two-thirds of its missing handguns were stolen by deserters. No kidding. So, moreover, the deserters caused the Army the additional expense of recruiting and uh, training uh, replacements. Wow. So the Army offered a reward of $30 for catching deserters and... Excuse me, and this motivated some soldiers and civilians to turn these guys in when they caught them. Mm. But a soldier who deserted was said to have taken what they call, quote, a French leave. Mm. That's what they called a deserter. It just means an extended vacation. Yeah. But, you know, it was boring. It was hard work. Punishments was there. You and know. the food was so, lousy. Yeah. I mean, no wonder. And actually, some of the men, when they got in there, decided that they kind of were afraid of fighting. They didn't want to go out and fight Indians or whatever. So the low pay, the remote postings, primitive accommodations. Uh, some of these guys tried to desert within weeks after getting to their uh, assignment. But uh, now adding to this whole situation, when the gold rush started in 1849 in the Black Hills uh, in 1875, the gold rush, a lot of these guys uh, joined the army so they could get out to the gold fields, then deserted oh, just to go. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, that's kind of, you know, uh, some of the bad things that happened. And, Holy smokes. You know, I'm glad things have improved over the years. You're not and, a very good recruitment po- uh, poster. You know, but them. I've got to tell you, Zeb, and I know you like this, too, that as far as our military people today, I have the utmost respect. Oh, yeah. They are I, underpaid and uh, underloved, and I want to pay the highest respect to our military people that are serving for our country. We do on this program every single day, and uh, you know what was really heartwarming? i got to share this with you real quick. I'm almost out of time. During the Christmas holidays... I heard from so many of them in our audience, and they said, thank you for what you do on the air. And that made me bubble up and really be thankful. Well, I am forever grateful for those men and women. Yep, absolutely. That serve, yes. All right, well, I learned a lot. I learned that I was going to be Joe Goodguy if I went in there, because you if they put stand me up in a two-by-five-by-five cell, I'm toast. I can't handle it. <laughs> you better stand up straight and say, yes, sir. I, I am right now. I'm going to say by yes, sir, Dr. History, yes, sir. Okay. God bless you, and thank you. And uh, now you can go back and visit with your relatives. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And if they're bad people.
people put them in a two by five by five cell. That's not going to happen. Okay. They're good people. I All love right. them. Well, God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Yep, I will be here. All right. Dr. History right here on Zebeth Ranch. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.